What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. Here with you the week of December 6th. Nick, Coach Steve, Scotty, full gang back with you today. And boys, hate to do it. Let's get it out of the way. We are officially on the worst run in the history of the podcast. 9, 20, and 1, down 11 units over the last three weeks. Um, a one in nine week sandwiched in there. So that that's obviously the bulk of it, but that was the bad side. Going to bring up the positive side. We've had two one in nine weeks and somehow we are still 68, 69 on the season down less than two units. So, I mean, pretty miraculous. If you remove those two weeks, we've pretty much been crushing. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the positive. We're putting it behind us. We're into December. The, the football crunch right now is absolutely unreal before the Christmas holiday. So this is when we're going to make it all back, get back into the positive. If you guys are still listening to this after that one minute rant, we appreciate you. And we're going to give you reasons to listen to the rest of the episode because we're going to break down some killer games in England. We got Juve Napoli on Friday. And I promise you we will win more than one game this week. Well, shit. Yeah, I feel I mean, like anybody you... who came for winning picks just left after the first minute and thirty yeah, seconds. They, they, they like, got to know. I read you just went on. So, I f- you know what we what's been happening to us in the past month is is the equivalent of getting hit by a blue shell when you're in the lead in Mario Kart. We were out there, we were cruising, <laughs> doing really well, and then you know life had to come by and the books had to hit us with a blue shell just to bring us back to to even up the pack again. So now we're gonna get back off and running, and uh, we'll probably hit a blue shell at some point in February. So make sure you ride with us between now and then. Uh, keep keep even with everything else yeah and one thing i want to say it's something we've been preaching now for two seasons two plus seasons and like still somehow i i personally have fallen victim to it where we're we've been telling anybody that's listened anybody that cares to know like you cannot count on any one team week in and week out performance in you know Two weeks ago does not equal performance last week, does not equal performance this week. That is true in England. That's true in Italy. That's true in Spain. That's true in Germany. Um, But here I am, you know, banking on these trap money line picks of a team that looked really, really good last week and they lose. And, oh man, they scored four goals last week. They can hit two. Nope, that doesn't happen. So Practice what you preach. Uh, I, you know, hand up, have not been doing a good job of that. And I'm guessing by our record, you know, we, we've kind of fallen into a little bit of the trap. Yeah, yeah there's we're, been we're some like... lines out there that have definitely trapped us the last few weeks. So, like, I, I, I'm worried about that this week, too, because when we get to our locks, like, I pulled up the SETI Oscillate, and I've kind of been scouring around Europe quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. And this week I pulled it up and I said to Nick, I was like, dude, did you look at these lines? And he's like, no, not let yet. And he goes, let me look. And he goes, no, like it's too easy. We're going 0 and 10 this week because yeah. the lines are just that favorable right now. And it I makes know, no sense. Our, our picks fall into two categories. It's either, hey, look at this trend that's been going on for the last eight weeks with this team or this total. And like we're on track to hit that again this week. And then there's a, hey, look at this trend of results that are happening and they're due for a reversal. Yeah. And we use that same line of logic just whenever it feels like it's most relevant to whatever our brain is telling us. And yeah. that's where the books get us. So it's about figuring out when they're due and when the trend is going to continue. And yeah. hopefully we can do a better job of figuring that out this week. 
No, no doubt. So I, I subscribe to like Coach Steve's school of, hey, what, these lines are way too good, way too easy, that I went completely the opposite with all three of my picks, and I'm going with three underdogs because that's like the only way I can count on getting results. We'll get into it, obviously, when we give our hat trick of picks, but it's uh, it's been a roller coaster, and, and certainly would love to hear from any any listeners. That, you know, if if you guys have found a, a trend that's working, if you found something that has done well this season, shit, share it with us because uh, we, we'd love to pick up on something that you know potentially we missed. All right, let's roll into the first game of the weekend. It's going to be in Serie A. It's going to be on Friday. Juve at home taking on Napoli. Napoli is the underdog here, plus 190. Juve coming in at plus 140. The draw, plus 215. Over, under, two and a half goals, 105 to the over, minus 130 to the under. And for a refresher, Juve, uh, this is all through 14 matches played. Juve in second place, 33 points, winners of four out of their last five. Napoli, all the way down to fifth, 24 points below Roma, uh, losers of two out of their last three. So two teams trending in the opposite direction. Scotty has maintained for a very long time, the longest on this podcast, that Napoli were always pretenders to repeat. Uh, Certainly got off to a very slow start. Inter probably started digging or has at least dug that grave last week. Do we think Juve can throw Napoli in and shut that coffin? If we're talking about the title coffin, I, I, I think that's closed already. Um, I don't 11, think there's any chance. 11 points they, back as it sits. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any chance they repeat. Even if even if they come out and win this match against Juve, I, I don't think they're catching both Inter and Juve this season. I think um, this, the, the loss of Spalletti was – we knew it was going to be big um, in terms of managerial style. I don't know if yeah. anybody thought it would be this profound because the, the roster hasn't changed a ton. The loss of Kim in the back obviously is having an effect as well. Um, we called it. Garcia wasn't the man for the job. Uh, he was not the man for the job, and that backfired. There they had to go over the international break, fire him. Walter Mazzotti comes in, who the last time Walter Mazzotti was relevant was at least a decade ago, right, when he went to Inter, I think, after his Napoli stint. So hard to see how they would have gotten out of that funk of Garcia with Mazzotti in in terms of being able to put it all together for a title push. Scott's mentioned on the pod before, Osiman going to AFCON in just yep. about a month is going to be huge. Um, and they're not playing very well right now. I mean, I'm looking back last season. They conceded in total in 38 matches, 28 goals, and scored 77 times. This season in just, what do we have, 14 match 14. weeks right now? 14 match weeks, they've given up 17 goals already and scored just 26. So goal scoring is way down. Goals allowed is way up in terms of, per match. And I think Juve is going to be very difficult to beat there. This is at the Allianz, which I think has to make it even more worrisome for them because they just lost at home against Inter. Uh, and emphatically they, they did nothing against Inter um, to make you believe that they can then come out and get a result here against, in, uh, against Juve. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the concerning part forward for Napoli fans is, how quickly they're falling down the table now. I mean, Roma was in 10th place the last time we talked about Napoli, you know, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And here they are above them in the table. And, and depending on how results go, obviously Juve is a tough task for them. 
Behind them, they've got Fiorentina, who have Roma this week, so maybe not exactly a, a, an easy win for Fiorentina there. But Bologna is two points behind them, and they're at Salernitana, who have been a, a walkover for everybody not named Lazio. Um, so they could find themselves in in, in sixth place this at, at the end of this this weekend, and you know Fiorentina's still right on their heels. Um, so like they're not only in danger of like again, I, I said it when we talked about them last month. I don't think they're they were title contenders at that point anymore. Obviously, I don't think they're case now i think they're going to find themselves in a battle with atalanta for for your europe competition yeah. um qualification in a couple of short weeks here yeah um one thing i want to call into question for you guys do, does revenge kind of come to play because the last time this match or at least i don't know if it was the most recent match but it's definitely the last match that i remember between these two teams was the 5-1 smackdown that napoli laid on juve uh I, that one was in Naples, but I mean, that was really like when everybody believed Napoli could win this Scudetto last year and pretty much propelled them to do so is Juve like had this game circled since. Well, they did play one time after that. They did play the return leg. That was the first um, go round at in, in yeah. the San Paulo that they hammered him. I remember that was around. It was, uh, it was such a beat down. I don't even remember that they played afterwards. I yeah. guess that's the point I was trying to make. And, and then they beat him again, one, nothing at the Allianz. So I, I definitely think Juve has this circled um, to some extent because it's not every day you see Juve get smacked around. And I remember that match. It was, it was in January 13th. I'm looking now. I remember putting a, a wager in on Juve money line because the money line was so, Oh, they good. were like plus three thirty or something like that. Yeah, Or we put it, maybe a drawn no bet in or something. Cause it was something so favorable that you're like, how am I not going to take Juve? draw no bet at plus like 150 or whatever it was and and they just got absolutely demolished it was a it was a friday match just like this one too funny enough because this is also a friday match and i remember having the game tracker on getting the alerts at work and i'm like wow like what is going on and um that i think was the match you're right that really made the belief real i think on napoli for a lot of people like if they could do this to juve this team is real enough to win the scudetto and they and they cruised the scudetto for as few changes that there have been, just the manager and that one center back has made a huge difference this year. And play style has a lot to do with it. Yep. I And, you know, Allegri gets a lot of criticism from us, from others. I know Nick has hammered him for, for a couple seasons now, but now it's giving him his due because Juve is, again, right back in the Scudetto mix, two points off of Inter, who they were able to hold to a draw a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, this is... This Juve side is for real, especially defensively. Only nine goals allowed in yeah. 14 matches. Yeah. Um, listen, Chesney, too, he's had a very good year. I'm, I'm pretty critical of him. I don't think he's a, a top-tier goaltender, but he's been pretty fantastic this year. The D has been awesome. Um, but I, I'm giving Allegri more credit to, like, not only does this guy just chug along and get three points and win the games he's supposed to win, he's had to deal with a hell of a lot over the past two years. Mm. Scandals and turmoil with the board and fans hate him and whatever players Nick memes are pretty Nick memes um, players are pretty subpar. I mean, let's be honest. This is a, this is a, an okay side, right? But here they are. Right. And Scotty even mentioned a couple weeks ago, like I think they were hovering around three fifty plus three fifty plus 400. Like, Hey, now's the time to get that UVA future. in if you're looking for any value. Um, so hopefully people listen to that. One trend I want to call out in this game, uh, and I've seen it now for the past three or four Juve games, the goal scorer market is absolutely astronomical. Uh, so the shortest odds to score 
Osimen at plus 160, Vlahovic at plus 200. Everybody else is plus 300 or greater. So you're talking about Chiesa, you're talking about Raspadori, Simeone. It doesn't, you know, we, we don't know who's going to start. Um, but man, it, it, if you can wait till lineups come out and, and you like a particular player, this is the game to put a little bit on that anytime goal scorer market. It's a tough one, yeah. too, because I feel like, you know, outside of, you know, OC, man, I feel like most of these guys are, are pretty much sporadic scorers and it, it's been right. like, you know, goal scoring by committee for, for both clubs. Um, yeah, definitely has. So I think yep. it's, it's, <laughs> I get why there is value. Um, yeah. but I also wonder how much that says about the total. I mean, we are talked the total, you know, under two and a half is minus minus one thirty. It's a little surprising. I know you defense is great, but I, it's still, you know, you'd expect, you know, Napoli to have to go all out in this one. And if you want three points, they're gonna have to keep up. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Coach, do you, what do you think? Are you a believer in a both teams to score in this match? It's minus 135. Do you like the over? Um, I'm I'm not a believer in either right now based on how Napoli played against Inter last week. Yeah. Because you, you're talking about the best defense in the league last week, second best defense this week, and in a very slim margin, right? Not like Inter is astronomically better defensively than, than Juve. It's just two goals different. Um, so for that reason... Napoli has to show me they can score. Yeah. I think it's going to help that Osiman probably is closer back to fitness where he's going to be able to maybe play a bigger role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's, I, I don't see it where they're going to be able to do that much on this Juve defense. And now you mentioned it like roster wise, this Juve side isn't that attractive on paper in many positions, but they find ways to keep it out. Part of it's to Allegri. I think not having to play midweek European matches, we talked about it earlier in the season, has certainly helped them. They're more well rested than these other big sides when they when they do match up. Um, yeah, I mean, Osiman played the whole match last week and couldn't score against Inter. What, what's telling you he's going to score against Juve if he doesn't get enough help? I think that's a, a question mark as well. I know last weekend they also had issues in terms of who they're lining up at center back because of injuries. Um or rather at left back, they had to play a, a center back at uh, left back, which really hindered so, how much they could push that wing. So I'm going to shout something like a similar out. Setup. In, in granted, we're, this is a different season. This is a, a different Juve side. You just talked about all of the defensive improvements and how well they've been playing. If you're looking at a team total, Napoli over one and a half plus 175, Napoli under one and a half minus 235. This yeah. is a number you have not seen in three years. I don't care who they were playing. They could be, have been playing Liverpool in the Champions League, Real Madrid. It doesn't matter. Um, so, like, you're talking about a almost two and a half to one favorite of them getting less than two goals. I, I just didn't think we would see that the way Napoli was going. You and know, not with last, not with Osimhen and Carbacelli is still in the roster and healthy, right? Like, well, that's uh, coach. I'm glad you just brought that up because I, I was looking at, you know, I, I was trying to find Guara in the the goal score props. He's all the way down at plus three thirty, and so I said yeah. I'm missing something. So I just went and looked. His last eight games, I'm not including when he was on international duty with Georgia, because you know it did work. It, it did do work. It did work. But for <laughs> for Napoli, his last eight games, he has one goal, one assist. Yeah, it's a it's a quite the dry spell for for Guara. Yeah, and I, I think a little bit of that is he's been figured out. Uh, not necessarily figured out, but certainly teams are 
keying in on him a little more. They're more aware of what he can do. Um, and Osimhen was out a lot of those games too, right? So like you know, hey, this is the main man. We have to focus on him. Year two in the league, you're not going to let him score a wonder goal and beat you. I think that has something to do with it, but you know, it is you know who is he as a total player? I don't think that's been answered yet. You know what I mean? Like we know who Holland is, and not that I'm comparing him to Holland, right? But like we know who that player is, right? We know who. Osiman is. We know who Rafaeliao is. Cavada, we don't know. This is his, yeah. you know, 18th month in Serie A, right? So, you know, is he the guy that can is going to get 15 and 15 every year? Maybe. Is he a guy that gets eight and eight every year? Maybe. I, I mean, I think that question still hasn't been answered, at least from from my point of view. Yeah, I think the sample size is so small that the, the jury is still out because it's just like any other sport, whether you watch the NFL or, or NBA or, or baseball with, with, you know, a hitter who comes up and is hot or a pitcher who's striking out everybody and then teams adjust. Right. And I think teams, it took them a little while, but they have adjusted to Carver Uh Is he still a good player? I think he's still a good player. You know, you don't do what he did if you don't have the talent to play at this level, but you have to kind of then readjust to how the league is playing you. He hasn't done that yet. It, it, yeah. it, he has not had the offensive impact. Most of the second half of last season compared to the first half, and then definitely not into this season. So I, I do think that is an issue for for Napoli and for him, and and I think that is why you see such big goal score numbers on him. I mean, I'm looking at the matches that um, Napoli has played against some of the better defensive sides in the league. You go back to September against Lazio, who's been pretty stout defensively, right? For the most part, though, defense they haven't scored a lot this year, Nick. But defensively, they're still not giving yeah. up a lot. Yeah, no, only um, two goals to that and yeah. Yeah, yeah well, right. recently, but uh, going back to, to September, scored once on Lazio in a 2-1 loss. Bologna, who's, I think, at the third-best defense record in the league right now, 0-0 draw in Bologna. Uh, last week against Inter, best rec- best defense record in the league, no goals, shut out 3 nothing. So when you see Juve sandwich in between Bologna and, and Inter in terms of goals allowed, I think that's a big reason why you're seeing that the books don't believe they could get more than one. Yeah, just a really interesting, and I, I think um, obviously the deeper we dive into it, the more it makes sense. But just the the numbers popped out immediately, you know, as we were preparing for this and, and going through the game, and even just looking at it now. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. We won't spoil too much because we do have a play in this game. So we'll leave it for the end of the show and move on to the Premier League. Two big ones that we're going to focus in on here. First one, Aston Villa at home, taking on Arsenal. Villa plus 235, Arsenal plus 105, draw plus 275, over, under at two and a half, minus 160 to the over, plus 125 to the under. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, Arsenal was involved in a four-goal first half, three-goal first half today, seven-goal game. Um, Yeah, two goals first half, two goals second half, I think it was. Okay, so they have been... Absolutely flying. They are top of the table. They do have one more game played because the rest of the teams will play tomorrow or whenever. Yeah, important you're to know we're this recording Wednesday. this one on Tuesday. So there's yeah. a lot of Premier League midweek. But um, Arsenal is averaging over two goals a game scored, just under one goal a game allowed. So plus 19 goal differential, 36 points, top of the table. And Villa is hanging on to that fourth place spot just above Tottenham in Newcastle. They're on 29 points and same story. 
33 goals for. So same amount as Arsenal, one less game played, but they do have 20 goals allowed. So this is uh this is a really big one. Um shit, Scotty, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it right over to you for your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna tell us a lot about where these two two where these two teams stack up in terms of what they're trying to achieve, right? Arsenal are trying to achieve the title after a, a really strong run last season. Aston Villa are trying to like become real contenders for this this yeah. top four. Um, I think a lot of times we talk about how competitive it is for for the top four right now in the Premier League. You know, we're talking about the London clubs, the Manchester clubs, Liverpool. We're not so much talking about Aston Villa, you know, a, a, as much as maybe we should. And yeah. They've been proving it. Um, you know, they're one of the hottest teams in, in England right now in terms of their form. Um, obviously, goal scoring has been their strength. I think they have the second highest offense in the Premier League. So obviously riding that uh, as, as well as anybody. And then Arsenal, you know, I, I kind of said I, I'm not sure that they'll bounce back and have, you know, what it takes to make a, a second push for the title, given all that they gave last season. And, and usually there's a little bit of a hangover, but you know, we were just kind of talking before we started to record. I called Arsenal. They're the kings of the one goal wins right now. I feel like every game they win, it's by one goal. And that's the kind of mentality and season you need to have right now for if you're a club like Arsenal, if you want to keep pace. Um, so I think this match will tell us a lot about whether or not, you know, Villa can really compete for that top four spot. You know, if they roll over and they, they let Arsenal kind of whack them by a couple goals, then, you know, maybe they don't have what it takes to, to beat these top, you know, five or six clubs in the, in the table and, which is really what you need to do in order to qualify for the Champions League. And Arsenal, if you don't get three points from Villa, again, no sh- no yep. shade to Villa, but with how City and, and Liverpool have been playing, like there's very little room for for drop points. And yep. yeah, you just barely squeaked out a win at Luton Town. I can't really make too much of a joke about that because Liverpool drew at Luton Town. So um, it is becoming a difficult Gotta place give to credit, play. Man. Yeah. They, they keep games close, yeah. But I, I think if Arsenal want to make a statement, it's, hey, coming off of that win, we're going to win another one against the top five club in, in England right now. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what the result of this one is. You know, I think the odds favor Arsenal a little bit more than I think they should. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's the question I was going to pose to you, Coach. Do you think Villa is getting enough respect considering the form they're on, the type of season they've had so far, and um, the fact that they're at home in this one, right? I mean, we talked about it last week. I want to bring that back full circle. Home field advantage is important in a tie like this. Um, you know, do, do you think Arsenal's getting a little too much respect? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough too because with the midweek matches that you reference, it Villa's got City coming in tomorrow um, before this match, right? So they've got City on Wednesday and then Arsenal again on the weekend, which is which is a tough go. Um, that is one thing I'm going to keep an eye on is how do these lines move if Arsenal gets a result against City at home? Do they Villa. move a, a much? You know, uh, that's what I mean. Villa. Do, does Villa get the result against City if they get a even a draw against City? That's a big result for them, right? And then maybe yep. the lines move uh, a bit more. Uh, right now, just looking at, at tomorrow's match. They're plus 340 at home with City at minus 140 as the road team. So they're actually getting more respect against Arsenal by the yeah. books uh, mm-hmm. by quite some by, by quite some bit. Um, so I don't know if the books are kind of waiting to adjust those lines based on how tomorrow goes. Like if they get run off the field by City at home, do we see them at plus 300 again? Um, I think it's it could move because people are going to say, well, Arsenal plus 105 is 
a lot of value right now with the way Village is played against City. So I think that's what's so tough to handicap this match and the next one we're going to talk about just because we don't know what's going to happen in these midweek matches. And there's some pretty big midweek clashes in in the the Premier League, you know. Um, But I think Villa's been really good. Like Scott said, they definitely can get a result in this one. Um, When I see them at plus 235, I would take a look at some of those, you know, draw no bet plus half a goal scenarios are the numbers Mm -hmm. good enough to play because maybe they can keep it to a draw at home. Um, I, I think that's where you have to look in a match like this, but it's hard to bet against Arsenal because Arsenal has been so good this season and Arsenal really has a big opportunity, especially if Villa's good enough to get a result tomorrow against city, right? All of a sudden Arsenal's looking at this match like, wow, like, yeah, our Villa got that result, but that's a result that favor us. Can we go and now get three points there? Um, I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Villa's home form has been great though. Six wins, no draws, no losses. Like that is definitely Drake. something yeah. that is going to, be coming to play and i think it's going to really be tested against city and then arsenal back to back if they can get i think i don't want to say four points because i think four points might be a bridge too far when you have back to back like this but even if they get at least one result of the two i think would be big for them in terms of their like champions league hopes definitely and i think I'll, i'll give the counterpoint to 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 maybe where uh the books are are favoring arsenal a little bit too much in my opinion i think the way that Arsenal have kind of set up their squad this season, it plays well for this December schedule. I, I wrote about this in uh, the happyhoursports.net write-up that we do every Monday. You know, the December schedule for, for in England, it's it's crazy. It's, you know, most mm-hmm. clubs have between eight or nine matches, depending how far they make it in Europe or if they are in Europe. Um, and Arsenal, they get goal contributions from everywhere. You know, Eddie and Ketia, Sacco, or Saka, excuse me, um, Martinelli, Jesus, Trossard, Odegaard. They've got guys all across the pitch that can score. Whereas Aston Villa, they're a little bit more reliant on Ollie Watkins, Douglas Luiz, and, 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 and Leon Bailey. Those are kind of those three guys that are, are contributing a lot of these goals. And when you get into the month of December, you really have to rotate. You, you, there's no way around it because if you try to play these guys, you know, 80 minutes a match, nine matches in a month, they're going to get hurt or they're going to be worn out by the time they get to the the boxing day, you know, three matches in seven or eight days fixtures, and, and they're just going to not perform. So I think in that sense, you know, the way that Arsenal is set up, they'll be able to rotate a little bit better. They'll be a little bit fresher. And I think they have one of those guys that can, you know, come from, I don't want to say nowhere because we know their names yeah. at this point, but they can be the guy where, you know, you're focusing on Jesus and, and Saka and, and here comes Trossard down the wing and he gets the yeah. goal. Um, and so I, I think it's that's kind of where, it's so where interesting. You, you said that Scotty, I was actually going to ask you the question and you, you kind of took it over without even knowing what I was going to say. I was going to ask if you saw that as a positive or a negative for Arsenal, like, whereas, Hey, you know, city has Holland and you know, Liverpool has Salah, right? Like at the end of the day, in a big game, you know who you're going to look to. You know who you need to count on mm-hmm. to get you that result. Arsenal doesn't really have that person. So I yeah. kind of argued, like, that's that's a little bit of a, a downer for them. But, you know, you just rattled off five names that can all contribute on any given game. So I, I could really go either I, way. I think it depends on where you are in the calendar. I think the way that Arsenal set up, they're really set up to succeed and, and 
do where or better than their competitors in the month of December. But like you said, when you have that big mu- uh, match, like you would have like in, in April where it's, Hey, we're one point above city and city's coming to the Emirates. And this game is potentially a title decider, right? I would rather have the Holland on my team where it's like, Hey, this is going to be the guy that's going to, you know, gear up for this one. And he's going to get us the three points that will put us in the lead. Um, so I think it kind of depends where you are in the calendar. And right now, I think this is where Arsenal has the chance to really grow that gap um, because that's where they did it last year, right? They had a huge lead going into the new year and then it slowly started to fade and then it all really kind of fell apart in April. Yeah. Agree. Coach, any any last thoughts? No, I'm, I'm just like I said earlier, I'm just curious to see how tomorrow's results play into these lines come the weekend. Yeah, and you wonder if they're going to rest anybody tomorrow to to be ready for the weekend game. Either team, you know, like uh, not either team. Arsenal already played, obviously, but like Villa, what are they going to? I think it's tough for Villa to rest. Yeah, players at least at in home to city, back, you know. Yeah. And then maybe just on the Arsenal. road, you have an excuse. But I think they got to play them. You, you might yeah. see them subbed off in the seventieth minute, right? Like you know, if if they're down two zero or or three zero and they want to save Ollie Watkins legs. And, you know, maybe he comes off in like the 70th minute. Yeah. I, I think if anything, the rotation becomes maybe heavier in the conference league next midweek because they're in a good position there uh, or against Brentford and the following weekend or Sheffield. Like they've got games coming up where they can afford to rotate where I think as long as they're in these matches, I think Scott's right. I think they have to play these, these big guns as, as long as they can to try to get a result. For sure. All right, fair enough. Let's uh let's move over to the late game of the weekend. Tottenham at home to Newcastle on uh this is the Sunday game, the eleven thirty game. Tottenham getting a lot of love from the books, plus one thirty at home, Newcastle plus one seventy five, draw plus two eighty five, and the over under in this match is three and a half, plus one fifteen to the over, minus one fifty to under three and a half as a quick refresher neck and neck in the standings um tottenham in fifth newcastle in sixth 27 and 26 points respectively tottenham winless in their last four losers of three out of four newcastle winners of three out of their last four Ooh, this is uh you say they they are not winners in their last four, but I would argue their draw against City, while they've been so horrendously shorthanded, is as much of a win as you can get out of Fair. only one. It's a moral victory, but it is uh, a very important point for where that club was. And we talked about it in the pod last week. Like If they were losers of four in a row going into this match, um, or they have the midweek match, but you know, it could have been a very, very sticky situation for them, also knowing what's coming in January. So I think that draw against City, borderline miraculous. I don't know where it came from because uh, you know they conceded three goals with their makeshift back line of four fullbacks, you know, no center halves available. Dyer picked up an injury midweek. To be able to concede three to City but still have the belief and like the willingness off of that three game skid to run and get behind city's back line and score goals. And I think the, the, the tying goal, the equalizer by Kulusevsky, I think it was a header and a header in like the 85th minute. Um, and I just think that just shows the motivation and the, the willingness for this team to continue to push for, for, um, Postico, Postigo, uh, I can't say his name, Postigoglu. Ange. 
Um, Ange, big Ange. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I mean, again, it's they're winless in their last or yeah, winless in their last four. But I think that game is uh, as good as any Spurs fan has felt in the past month. Yeah, listen, I, I take no pride in it because you were on City, but I did say last week on the pod that I like a Tottenham plus 1.5 plus 1.75 even was kind of the way to go because they're just kind of that club when they play city, just that's the way it goes. Um, and, and credit to them. Right. I, I don't even think certainly if you told me city were scoring three, I would right. have, I would have rode with you a thousand times out of a thousand Scott. Yeah. Like, yep, this is a three, one city win. No doubt. Um, so credit to Tottenham. They do have West Ham first. Uh, meanwhile, Newcastle is traveling to Everton. So do just want to kind of throw that in there before this matchup. But um, coach, you've you've been a believer in both teams over over the course of uh, the past couple of years. So uh, I, I don't know uh, if you're going to pick a side exclusively to to ride with here uh, going forward. If it's going to be Newcastle, or if it's going to be Tottenham, but. Um, Man, first glance, Newcastle plus 175 looks like a really, really good number. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't bet the money line on the road, but I do think that there is value in Newcastle here being that the money line is so big, a, a yeah. no bet scenario. Um, one thing I was looking back, the over has hit quite a bit in these head-to-heads over the last couple seasons, five out of their last five, uh, yeah. including an, an over two and a half down. or an over yeah. three and a half? Two and a half. Okay. Um, over two and a half, uh, absolute beatdown. Newcastle put on Tottenham in last April when Spurs was starting to fade a bit, six-one. Um, but this season, right now, in terms of the overs and and the unders, like Spurs is five out of five over two and a half in their last five. Newcastle conversely is five out of six, less than two and a half goals in their last five. So the the, the play style has been different in the way these these games have gone for these two sides over the last month or so. Um, it's been a lot of goals in these Spurs matches. Like we just saw six in the city match, not so much in the Newcastle matches. Interestingly enough, uh, Spurs is first to score in their last eight matches where Newcastle is oh. first to score in six of their last eight. So I think it could come down, especially if Newcastle scores first. And the fact that they can keep things a bit tighter, it seems is, can they score first and then keep this Spurs attack at bay, which has been uh, scoring quite a bit, but, you know, they've only conceded 14, so they concede one goal a match. Spurs concedes yeah. about a goal and a half a match. Yeah. Um, and Newcastle can do plenty of their own scoring. They've scored 32 goals this season, which is one of the be- four best scoring records in the league. I do I do tip Newcastle. I think the midweek obviously plays into this, too. We have to see what happens with the midweek. Yeah. Um, I think the, the match for Spurs is tough, even if it's at home against West Ham. West Ham's no pushover. Um, going to Everton, we'll see. Uh, Newcastle tends to cook at home. Scott pointed out last week they've been a really good home side, and they did it again. Um, so we'll see how they can play it on the road because their road form hasn't been that good. They're, they're one win, uh, two draws, and three losses in six so far. So I think okay. how they perform Wednesday uh, at Everton is going to give me a little bit of a feeling of how I should, how hard I should push Newcastle yeah. to win, even though like right now I do like them to win probably in the draw no bet like how hard do i pursue it if they don't get a result at everton like maybe then do you just kind of take a pass on it yeah i mean i think the good news is both clubs are kind of coming into this with their own set of injury issues much like chelsea 
Um, Newcastle, I think, are starting to come out on the other side. So Isak has been back and healthy, and that's certainly been helping. You know, Tottenham still have a ways to go. Uh, I think the news just came out that Madison, who was expected to be maybe back around January when um, Sun goes off to, to the Asia Cup, he just announced that he's probably not coming back until February, which was a big yeah. blow. Um, so I, I think the good news is, you know, the goal scoring for for Newcastle certainly took a hit when when you know Callum Wilson was out and, and Isak was out. Getting Isak back certainly is going to help there. Um, Coach, you mentioned I think the defense is going to be huge. Um, I think the good news for Tottenham is a guy that was out not for injury but suspension. Uh, Romero should be healthy for this one, so they'll have at least one um, true center half available. Um, not sure what Dyer's injury is if he's going to be back or not. But uh, you know, if 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 Tottenham are, are you know schlepping out another three fullback lineup and you know, Isak is, is in form. We know that Newcastle will get goals. It, the question will become, you know, how many goals can can Chelsea or Chelsea can Tottenham respond with, given Newcastle's you know stronger defensive record? And we talk about rotation. I don't know that you know Spurs are going to have the luxury of rotation. They're like, who are you going to rotate with? They they don't have enough. They barely have enough guys to feel a starting eleven right now, much less actually rotate you know three or four guys any given match. So. Uh, that's another thing to keep an eye on. Like as the month of December goes on, you know, what happens to Tottenham's legs? Do their performances start to drop? And, you know, maybe there's an, an upset coming in, in the next couple of weeks where they drop points to a, you know, a mid table or, or bottom half of the table uh, club. Yeah. I think uh, certainly two games in four days is going to be a lot for them this week. And I, I think yeah. that kind of plays into the logic of, you know, why I framed it for you to take Newcastle, whether you were planning on it or not. Uh, because certainly I'm a believer in that. So interesting, uh, definitely interesting that Newcastle are such big dogs, considering everything we talked about. And uh, this this should be a fun one to watch. I mean, I don't know that it hits the over, but I think uh, we're going to see an entertaining match one way or the other. I think both teams are well coached. I think both teams are, as as you guys mentioned, pretty determined to, to make their mark on this season and, and certainly fight for a top four place. All right. So Scotty, I was, uh, I don't know. I didn't know how I was going to bridge it because uh, I'm looking at your first lock, but I guess we'll, we'll do a real deal. Yeah, segue into it. <laughs> bridge segue of, uh, Hey, we're going to, we're going to hit you with our hat trick of picks. And, and fortunately Scotty's going to start us off with the uh, game we just spoke about. Yeah. So keeping it uh, with the Newcastle and Tottenham game, I am going to take Newcastle. I'm going to take them draw no bet. It's yeah. plus one Oh five. So you're still getting about even money or a little bit better. The draw kind of helps. The draw no bet helps uh, protect against another like Spurs two or three goal performance. I don't think that they'll find another one of those. I mean, they were on a string of like one goal performances leading into that city match. So I think that's probably more of what you'll expect. Um, and I, I have no doubt that Newcastle should be able to get at least a, a, a couple of goals in this one. So, yeah, I think uh, Newcastle are, are you know ready to kind of respond. I think Tottenham are due for a little bit of a letdown. Um you know, I, I obviously took the city, uh, took city in the uh, match on Sunday, and, and it bit me. But it's not going to shy me shy away from uh, betting against Tottenham. So I'll take Newcastle, but I will take the draw no bet just to give myself a little extra protection. All right, I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I like the Newcastle take. Yeah. I'm I'm with you guys there. Uh, I'm going to set you off for this one. I'm going with Inter money line way out of play. I think it's like minus four hundred, but the the pick I'm taking here is Inter to win by two plus goals versus Udinese at minus 135. 
Inter's really good. Udinese isn't. This match is at the San Siro. I think Inter wipes the floor with Udinese by at least two goals. Um, I'm keeping it simple. I, I just think that they're just that two goals better at home. Yeah. I, Sight I love unseen. That. I'm going to take Lautaro anytime goal score. I don't know what the yeah. line is. I'm going to take it sight unseen. No, I, I like it. And and correct me if I'm Oh, no. I was going to say Udinese like, kind of surprised us last week, but they wound up drawing 3-3 to Hellas. I think that they were up at least 2-0. I don't know if they were up 3-0. Yeah, um, they, they were up at least 2. I think I think then they were – it was might have been 2-2, and then they went up 3-2 or something yeah. like that. But I, I know we almost put Hellas double chance into our patron picks. And then we were at, it was two nothing. We're like, I'm glad we held off on that. And then lo and behold, they they got that third goal on that bicycle kick. I don't know if you saw the highlights, but yeah, we yeah. say um, they played at Roma a couple weeks ago. They shipped three to Roma, and Roma doesn't score a whole lot um, lately. So that that should be concerning for them going to San Siro against the that, So the, yeah, the point I was trying to to make there, the point I was you know bringing up is that for how badly we view Hellas, and I, anybody that's listened knows that like, man, do we fade that team? That's how lowly we think of Udinese that, you know, we were betting on Hellas last week, even if it didn't make it to the show. Um, But yeah, this Udinese team has given up three goals two weeks straight. Um, You know, they gave up two goals to Cagliari earlier this year. They gave up four to Napoli. They gave up goals to Fiorentina. They're not very good. So uh, very easily you could see Inter coming in and doing the deed. All right. So mentioned it earlier. I am going to a new strategy this week we've we've been in a little bit of a rut i like a lot of underdogs i am taking three teams that are all away from home the first one i like is ac milan i'm going with the asian handicap here plus 0.25 goals they're taking on atalanta it's minus 130 um just want to call it out if anybody's unfamiliar with this type of bet it's uh, it's basically two bets rolled into one. It's a split line. So half of your bet would be Milan draw no bet. The other half would be Milan plus half a goal. So that's where the plus two five comes in. It averages between the two. So in this instance, if this game is a draw, you win half of your bet. The other half is pushed. If Milan wins, they win. If Milan loses, they lose, right? But you're you're kind of making a little bit of money on that draw versus taking a draw no bet or a pick them. So giving a little more juice for that. This is minus 130. Um, The reasons for this bet, Milan is unbeaten in five straight head-to-heads. They're first to score in four out of those five. And by the way, Atalanta is winless in their last five games. They fucking screwed us last week. They were the first team in the history of Serie A, I think, to give up three goals to a Torino team. That never happens. So... I think um, this was the first game that really jumped out to me. I, I, listen, if anybody wants to take Milan on the fucking money line, you have my blessing. They should absolutely win. But this is, uh, this is where we need a little bit of protection to get back on track as a show. So plus 0.25. It's under Asian handicap in your book. Take a look. Shots FC back in the book. Have to. All right. I am going to stick with a match that we covered for my second lock of the week. It's going to be Aston Villa versus Arsenal. I'm taking over three. Uh, It's plus 100. Um, This game screams goals. You know, we just talked about how Arsenal have goals coming from eight different positions on the pitch at any given time. 
talked about the three guys up top for Aston Villa. We love Ollie Watkins. He's been a fixture on this podcast in terms of anytime goal scorer props. So shot on target. I love the offense in this one. Um, yeah, I know Arsenal has the second best defense in the league. Or actually, I think it's the best defense in the league at this point. Um, but I think, you know, Aston Villa's attack is enough to get them at least one. And as we've discussed, you know, Arsenal are the one goal kings or the one goal victory kings. So um, I think there's gonna be plenty of goals in this one. You know, over three and a half was a little bit much for me. Um, the good news is in the last four meetings between these two clubs, there have been at least three goals, three out of those four times. So the trends kind of sets that sets the stage for that. Um, so yeah, I, I'll take the over three. I think this is a lock for three, so you should be safe. And if we can get a fourth or a fifth, um, you get a nice plus 100 cash. Love it. All right. Um, I'm going with Bologna and I'm, I'm also playing the quarter goal a couple times here, Nick. I, I, I liked what you were doing and Let's it go. made sense with a couple of my picks that I like. So I'm going Bologna. I'm going minus a quarter goal at Salernitana here at minus 125. Bologna has been one of the most consistent teams in Serie A this season. It should keep up their pursuit of a European spot for quite some time, in my opinion. Salernitana doesn't beat anyone except for Lazio. Scott took the words out of my mouth at the beginning Both of the you show. With shots. Took it out of the <laughs> beginning of the show. I was saving this one to get Nick. But um, anyway, Bologna hasn't won yet on the road after being robbed at the death against Lecce last weekend, which is interesting enough. But they've only lost one. So they're six draws, one loss on the road. I think this is one where it finally happens for them. I thought it was last week. Um, where they gave up that goal in the 90 plus 10 minute, um, that penalty kick. I'll protect half my stake against a seventh draw with the 0.25. Um, but I think getting um, yeah. a win here on the road at, at Slurinitana, I think is a good, good, good shot for uh, Bologna here. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker. You, you mentioned it uh, against um, Lecce there last week. And, you know, the one thing that Bologna is up against right now is a little bit of an injury crisis, but. Seems to be a next man up kind of squad. So uh, yeah. give Malta a lot of credit. They've looked great and they've beaten bad teams. So um, listen, I'm all for fading Salernitana. You've seen me do it unsuccessfully, I think, twice now. So hope you have better luck than I do. Um, all right. So I'm going to roll. I'm actually going to go against Coach Steve's squad in this one. Fiorentina plus quarter of a goal. Again, taking on Roma. Even money. Uh Fiorentina have actually won two of the last four meetings outright. I think that their backs up backs are up against the wall. We spoke about this maybe a month ago where I said Fiorentina is done and dusted from a European place. I think the other teams are going to figure it out. I think they had lost three in a row at that point in time, or were on the verge of three in a row. Um, if I even pull them up now, which Probably should have had ready. No, no, they they picked up a win. I'm sorry, last week. I, I didn't realize that. But again, I think their backs are up against the wall and, and they can't suffer another loss to a team around them. I just think that's a six-point swing that can't happen at this point in the season. Also, Steve said it, so I'm going to take the words out of his mouth. Roma can't really score. We saw them struggle against Sassuolo last week. Sassuolo has the worst fucking defense I've ever seen in my life. And it took a, a red card and a penalty to get Roma up and running. Um, so I like Fiorentina. I think uh, drawing this game probably is is the least that they'll be looking to come out with. Could potentially win it. It just seems like a a funky game for Roma, right? Like this is this is a game that Roma tend to lose. As coach, you can maybe put a little color on it, but it, right, like See, it's just kind of 
I actually like Roma. I actually liked Roma on the money line when I saw them at plus 105 because Fiorentina is playing a, a midweek Copa match tomorrow. Uh, Roma has the week off. They finally get some rest. And Paulo Dybala is in scintillating form right now. He's been okay. really hot. Uh, I just think Roma at home is a, a, a pretty good side. I It could be my bias. Um, I, I didn't want to go Roma money line and contradict your pick and we guarantee ourselves a loss somewhere. Yeah, we could guarantee to win because we need those two. But um, Fiorentina hasn't been great against the, the quote-unquote bigger sides this year. That's, exactly. that's my concern for them. Do. But I know you're you're going to play in the do, the do route. So, <laughs> All right. I will bring it home with my third lock of the week. I'm going with a both teams to score parlay. Uh, I've had success in the, with these in the past, so we'll try another one. Um, first one, Fulham versus West Ham. This is easy. Uh, both teams to score is hit in 12 of 14 West Ham matches this season. It's about as automatic as it gets. It's currently going off at around minus 70, so needed to find a second one just to get a little extra juice. Uh, I'm going with one that's maybe not super obvious, and it's going to be Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool will score in five of their last six matches against Crystal Palace, so that feels pretty good. Um, the important bit here, we need a Crystal Palace goal. We saw how vulnerable Liverpool's defense was in the past few weeks. It looks even worse when Allison's not in goal. Uh, Klopp has confirmed that Allison is targeting return for the following weekend's match against Manchester United, so that means we'll have another match of uh, Cueve Kelleher between the sticks. Uh, I think that's going to be a very easy opportunity for a Crystal Palace player to you know find their way through a back line and get themselves a, a pretty nice uh, opportunity one-on-one with with Kelleher so uh, I expect Palace to get at least one in this one um, you know we saw Fulham put three past Liverpool on Sunday so uh, not out of the realm of possibility there's also going to be a lot of rotation coming up you know Liverpool have you know the midweek game tomorrow uh, against Sheffield United they have another midweek game that will probably rotate a lot with uh, Union St. Gilloise uh, in Europa um, and they only have three fit center halves right now so uh, you know, Matt Tip is out for the next couple of months that means you're probably going to see some of the U23s playing um, you know Jarrell Kwanzaa and the like so uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that you'll see a, at least one goal out of Palace uh, against Liverpool on Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. All right, I'm going to the Bundesliga with my last one. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, plus a quarter goal, minus 105 at Union Berlin. Union has been absolutely abysmal this season. Meanwhile, <laughs> Mönchengladbach has really turned its season around after going winless in its first five matches. Uh, it In the league, It's there are now four wins, two draws, two losses since then. I think they get the win here outright, but with the number being so good, I'll take the extra juice of the 0.25 rather than the draw no bet to get a extra catch if Union do hold them to a draw. At close to even money, I, I like getting that quarter goal protection. That's it. You've seen the light, and I am going to make it three for three, tic-tac-toe. With the quarter goal line here, Sassuolo plus 0.25 goals. At Cagliari, minus 125. I will caveat that Cagliari is a tough place to play. Um, you know, Lazio went there last week, barely squeaked out a win, even though they were up a man the whole game. But here's an interesting fact that pushed me over the edge. These teams have drawn in five out of their last seven and seven out of their last 10. So if they are to do that again, we're going to take half a cash with this plus 0.25 goals. Sassuolo have looked pretty good. They've scored in four of the last five matches, but two plus in three out of those five. And Cagliari is 
averaging just about three goals against in their last nine or 10 matches. So I think this one is right. Sassuolo will probably look to get right and, um, you know, make their way. Not that I think they're at risk, but make their way a little bit closer to, uh, you know, the, the mid to top half of the table. So plus 0.25s across the board, Milan, Fiorentina, Sassuolo. All right. That takes to our pod lock. I mean, it, we don't agree quickly on pod locks every week. This is one where we were we were on it quick, and the reason we didn't talk too much about the result of that Juve match is because we're going Juve draw no bet minus one thirty five for all the reasons we talked about in our match preview. We love Juve in this one. I like a money line too, but when we're trying to stack units and and bounce back, we're going to take the draw no bet just in case to get that little extra protection because that minus one thirty five is still a very playable number. Um, but love Juve in this situation at home against a struggling Napoli side. We're taking the Bianco Neri and uh, yeah, that's going to get us back on track. Oh yeah. Appreciate it guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already check us out, subscribe to YouTube, all your podcast platforms, happyhoursports.net for written content. And of course, if you're enjoying it, want some extra picks during the week, a little bit of extra content, Patreon slash kicks and picks. Catch you guys next week.